Gabe's in California. I'm curious as to why you condemn the use of credit cards for everyone in every situation. It's kind of like I condemn the use of a cigarette. Cigarettes don't kill everybody that smokes them, but they are good for no one that smokes them. That's why. I'm 37 years old. I make 90000 a year. I'm on Baby Step 6, and my credit score is 815. I have four credit cards, four of which I use regularly, based on which one gives me the best rewards at particular places. I pay the bill in full at least monthly or every card. Why shouldn't responsible individuals such as myself use credit cards? Because you're not. You're delusional. You are more responsible than the average cat. I'll give you that. But 90000 bucks a year doesn't make you rich. And those points, you know, I've met with thousands and thousands of millionaires. I never met a single millionaire. I said, Dave, you know, I made all my money with my airline miles. Dave, I got, I got 1% back on Discover. I mean, let's do the math on that for a minute, okay? You run $100,000 worth of expenditures through your Discover card. You know what you get? $1,000. You want to explain to me how that's a wealth-building method? That's dumber than a rock. Well, I'm I'm, I'm spending the money anyway. Yeah, I know, but all of the studies tell us that the lack of friction, the lack of emotional friction, causes you to spend more when you use plastic than when you spend cash. So... uh, Gabe, you can do whatever you want, but your judgmental butt little email... I can read between the lines, you Pharisee. Uh, You go do whatever you want to do, dude. But millions and millions of people have said, I've had enough of credit cards. They have not been a blessing to me. They have been a curse. You spend more when you use them. You spend 12 to 18% more when you use plastic than when you use cash on the typical purchase. If you go to a vending machine, it's a 178% increase in sales for plastic users versus someone that actually puts a dollar into the little dollar eater. When you go into a fast food setting, quick serve restaurants for my friends in the business, a fast food setting. You roll into Mickey D's, you spend an average of 37% more when you use plastic than cash, than cash buyers do. Because when you lay cash up on the counter, you emotionally go, ouch, I just spent money. And something leaves your possession, in return, you get something back, like a hamburger. Have you ever thought about the fact that Rachel Cruz brings this up? When you put your credit card on the counter, they give it back to you and your hamburger. There was no visual trading going on here. If you trade something for something, you recognize that a transaction has occurred. But where you give them something, they give it back to you, and they give you their stuff. No visual transaction has occurred. Now, I know that's primitive, Gabe, and you think you're above these primitive things, but you're not. These are behavior processes. And personal finance is 80% behavior. It's only 20% head knowledge. Now, you're probably not going to go bankrupt because you're conservative and you're legalistic and everything else. And you've got your little financial plan figured out. So go do your plan, dude. It's fine. I'm fine if you go do whatever you want to do. 
But I am 100% sure after having worked with millions and millions and millions and millions of families over the last 30 years, five million families have gone through Financial Peace University. We've sold 15 million books. 16 million people listen to this show. Now, what does that say? It says credit card's not working. And I think we're going to look back in a decade or so and look at the credit. Remember when you were a kid, any of you old like me, your kid, everybody smoked. And then they decided it wasn't healthy, so they had smoking sections in restaurants. Remember that? And, and as if the smoke didn't leave the smoking section and go over to the other section. It was the dumbest thing. They had smoking sections on airplanes. I'm old enough to remember that. And before that, you could just smoke on an airplane. It's like a tube full of smoke with wings. But gradually, society went from the 1950s or 40s with Clark Gable or whoever with a cigarette hanging out of his lip in every movie or Frank Sinatra or whoever with a cigarette hanging out of their lip in every movie because that made you cool. It went to where the cigarette isn't cool anymore. It's just trashy. Because people die from it, and it's pretty much nobody likes it anymore. Society has kind of looked up and goes, cigarettes kill you, they're stupid. Why in the world would you smoke? Now, people do still smoke, and if you smoke, I don't care. I'm not mad at you. Nevada has this wonderful statute under NRS 454.351 that's commonly referred to as ITS. And what it stands for is possession of drugs not to be introduced into interstate commerce, which sounds really strange. But the beauty of the statute is that just about every offense in Nevada involving narcotics is a felony where you could be looking at state prison. ITS is a misdemeanor. You may face no jail time at all and you can have your record sealed after only two years. Most commonly, negotiations to an ITS involve cases where someone goes to a pool party um, and brings in a small amount of drugs or they're pulled over in their vehicle or otherwise drugs are found on their person. Most commonly, Um, these negotiations are offered to defendants with very little criminal record. But the important thing is that if you plead to a misdemeanor ITS instead of a felony prosecution, um, you can avoid the consequences of a felony. You might be able to get your case dismissed if you complete a drug class. Uh, You may have to pay some fines, you may have to do some counseling. The bottom line is, if you've been charged with a felony drug offense in the state of Nevada, and you're trying to keep a felony off your record, call us at the Las Vegas Defense Group, and we'll see if we can get your charge reduced to a misdemeanor ITS so that you won't have permanent consequences. 
thing on the day it happened. Now I showed this photo first as it's only going to make sense if you see this picture first so you can kind of compare these other photos to this first one. Now, YNW Melly does say that this was a drive-by that happened. And as you can tell from where everyone was sitting, the only ones affected by this was Juvie and Sack Chaser somehow. Bortland and Melly ended up coming out of this perfectly fine. I honestly have no idea how that even happened, seeing as some of these pictures the car looks like it got absolutely trashed, but still, only Bortlin and Melly came out of this without a scratch. And sharing these next pictures, you could basically see all of the angles that the car was hit from. As you could tell, it's very, very real. And if this situation was caught on camera, it probably would be something that would not be allowed to be shown to the public. As you can just tell how serious of an incident this truly was. Something this serious? It's surprising that the court case is not being, you know, shared as much to the public as we would think. The law enforcement is very unsure of what even happened in this situation. They're very unsure about this incident that went down with Melly and Bortlin, as they actually ended up taking around 40 minutes to get help for their friends apparently. Now, apparently when this all went down, YNW Melly and YNW Bortlin I guess sat there at the scene for around 30 to 40 minutes or something before taking his two best friends who obviously needed some medical attention as soon as possible to get help. Instead of calling for an ambulance or something along the lines of that, YNW Melly actually decided on driving to the hospital himself for whatever reason. And that is still another reason why they're leaving YNW Melly in lockup, as they actually really want to know why he didn't just call for emergency help, as that is what would make the absolute most sense, but he for some reason didn't. And I can understand where YNW Melly is coming from. Honestly, there was a, probably a lot of adrenaline and fear going on in his head. And honestly, I probably would have froze up if I was in his situation as well. So you can't really, you know, go at him for that. And I really do hope we get to see YNW Melly let free very soon. As I do believe it has been time for him to be free or at least be put on house arrest for the time being. He has been sitting in lockup for I don't even know how long now, two to three years. And I think he deserves to at least be on house arrest. If you do think that as well, let me know down below in the comments, and also if you enjoyed the video, leave a like on it. Anyways guys, it has been District Trending, and I'm out. Peace.
Nevada treats rape and sexual assault very seriously. Penalties can include up to life in state prison and lifetime sexual registration. But the good news is that here at Las Vegas Defense Group, we've had tremendous success helping people fight these cases. You may be the victim of false allegations or an innocent misunderstanding. You may be wrongfully accused. Unfortunately, this happens all the time. We invite you to call us 24-7 at 702-DEFENSE and tell us your story. We'll see what we can do to get the charges reduced or dismissed. Many defendants also express a great fear of speaking in front of a courtroom. Do they, do they, does it have the same movement for you if they take the time to write out their narrative and their introspection and what they've learned from this process? Or do you only value the allocution statement at sentencing? Um, I've seen it both ways. Uh, I think anybody who stood in front of a federal judge to be sentenced should be nervous, right? I mean, that's, that, that's the proper emotion. Um, so if you're not nervous, there's something wrong. Um, so being nervous and writing it out and reading it can be just as powerful. And I've seen that several times. I had a case the other day where the defendant couldn't read it. She started breaking down. I'm like, would you like me to read it? Yes. Would you like me to read it out loud? Yes. So I read it out loud. Um, I... I know there's some there are some judges that you know can't tolerate a tear in the courtroom. I'm not happen to be one of them. It's not that those are bad judges, but I understand that it's a very emotional process. And so, if you need to write it out, great. If you can't write it out, that's great. I even had a woman who she was terrified, and nobody government prosecutor, probation officer said she could ever really talk in public. And so what they did was part of her allocution was trying to show, here's where I've come from. Here's the house I was raised in. This is the miserable place that I still reside. Here are these issues and here's my kids. Um, and they just had her narrate it at the attorney's office so that so that, that PowerPoint that they sent me on a thumb drive beforehand allowed her that opportunity to talk because she couldn't say more than yes or no to the U.S. attorney, the probation office, or her defense lawyer most times. And so finding a way to address that, whether it's in a written form or standing up and speaking, you know, this is not the presidential state of the union. You don't have to act like it's memorized. I think more important is that it's heartfelt have you does that that sounds to me correct me if i'm wrong that you received a video type of recording is that an, a, an appropriate uh, delivery method then for an allocution statement is through video i think it can be i, I think it'd be the outlier a really unique situation this particular defendant uh, had some issues that 
that she was never able to really speak out and, and that kind of put her in their argument was that put her in the situation that she was in to be manipulated for the crime that was there so I think it can be and I think it it can be part of an allocution um, I, don't, I don't think any of her want to turn this into a 60 minutes program but for individual every case should be individualized and so in an individual case if there's something somebody wants to show me in the quickest and most effective way is to have a five-minute video with it narrated by different people to explain the situation and they send it to me beforehand I got a thumb drive on my desk right now for a sentencing tomorrow that I'm going to go back and watch uh, and look at the things they want me to because that's the most effective way for the the defendant to tell their story now, obviously the US Attorney is going to get a copy of it too but it's I'm willing to look at something to, to, to allow someone to argue their issue. Can you describe a situation where you went into a hearing, a sentencing hearing, with one idea of what you were going to impose mm -hmm. and received an allocution at the hearing that caused you to reassess either upwards or downwards? At the, at the hearing itself. And so obviously you and I have had this scheduled for a little while, so I've been thinking about those precise issues. Um, literally this week, uh, I had one where I upwardly varied over what I thought I was going to give when I walked in. Um, I told my staff I was going to give one thing, and, and I ended up giving an additional 40 months. It was a, uh, it was a child pornography distribution and production case. And I, I ask a series of questions when we walk in um, about the guidelines, because that's the first thing I'm supposed to calculate. And so I asked the defendant, have you had an opportunity to the review the PSR? And he said, yeah. But from the get-go, um, it was a negative impression, you know, so most people understand that federal judges are given an enormous amount Hey, what's up? This your boy Big Man. You already know what it is, man. So let's get right to it. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about Fabio Foreign. Now, Fabio, man, it looks like he done ran into some trouble. It looks like he was in New Jersey, minding his business, and then the long arm of the law caught him. Now, I can't say that he was minding his business because from the story, it sounds pretty crazy. It sounds like Fabio Forum was getting into it with the law immediately. Like, as soon as they stopped him and started talking to him, it seemed like Fabio Forum was on one. Now, for those of you who haven't figured out yet, Fabio Foreign got arrested. Now, the story is pretty crazy, and before we get to the specifics, do me a favor. Make sure you hit that like button, make sure you hit that subscribe button, and man, let's get it. Alright, now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about this Fabio Foreign situation. Mm -mm -mm. So, it's looking like Fabio Foreign might be doing a little time 
right when he was having a little bit of success in the rap game. Now, you might be asking me, what do you mean? Now, Fabio Ford is most known for being a collaborator with Pop Smoke, you know, being a collaborator with Drake, being a collaborator with a lot of big names, Nas. Like, he's got some, some joints under his belt, man. And it looked like he was he was on the ups because he just dropped a song called Self Made that was doing relatively well on YouTube, right? Well, Fabio Forn, I guess he ran into like a random traffic stop or it went from a traffic stop to a uh, jaywalking ticket to a weapons charge, man. So let's get into the story. So Fabio Forn was in Fort Lee, New Jersey, and it looked like things went all bad when an officer approached him. Now, from the story that's being put out there by several different reports, it went like this. Now, the story starts off like this. It says, a loaded handgun fell from his jacket as rapper Fabio Forn fought Fort Lee police who nabbed him during a foot chase near the George Washington Bridge, authorities say. Maxi Rouse III, who's Fabio Forn, allegedly left his car running and basically just left it in a no-parking zone, all disrespectful, like, while he went into a city bank last night around 7.30. Now, this is according to somebody named Captain Ricky Murkovic, and it sounds like, you know, basically, Fabio Foreign, and folks who have never been to New York and the Northeast like that, man, people do this all the time. They'll leave their car running in the front of a business that they're going inside, and block all the traffic and everything, man. It's like a common thing. And most people wouldn't understand. I know the first time I seen it, I was like, man, you're just going to leave your car all disrespectful-like? And it looked like Fabio Foreign, according to this report, was on that type of time, right? Now, a S Sergeant Howard Ginsburg requested that Riles driver's license as he approached the vehicle and asked whether he was getting a ticket. Okay, so basically what they're saying here is Fabio Foreign, after leaving the city bank, was going back to his car. And that's when the officers asked for, for his information, you know, and started. And then Fabio Foreign replied asking if he was going to get a ticket. Now, they're saying that instead of complying, Fabio Foreign simply walked away. And the sergeant stayed with the running vehicle while backup officers uh, tracked down uh, Jay Walking Riles a block away. So they're saying that Fabio Ford, after the, the officer asked him for his license, once he, it was, he was sure that it was Fabio Ford going to that car, he asked him for his license, and Fabio Ford just, you know, brushed him off and walked away. And they're saying that a block away, somebody else, you know, started to come, like backup officers or whatnot. Now, this is where the story gets really interesting. So, they're saying that the officer that came up as backup tried to intercept Fabio Forn and told him, hey, man, could you stop? I want to speak to you. And Fabio Forn just basically kept it pushing, man. He was like, nah, man, I'm walking. So he's walking away from his car. He's walking away from the officer who originally asked him for his information when he saw it was his car. And he's walking away from the officers who are trying to intercept him. And he's like, nah, man. So he asked him, the officer allegedly asked him one more time, like, hey, man, could you stop? And he said Fabio Foreign looked at him, ignored him, and continued to walk away. 
and started headed towards this spot called the Modern Luxury Apartments on Park Ave. Now, then they said they tried to grab, well, the way it's written, it says the officer grabbed him in the parking lot and doesn't, it, it's misspelled. He, they're saying the officer tried to grab him in the parking lot and as they tried to grab him, a loaded uh, 25 caliber handgun fell from Fabio Ford's waistband and the officer and the officer noticed as it was falling and it hit the ground that there was a defaced serial number on the weapon. There's nothing more horrible than the sexual abuse of a child, except perhaps for those cases when somebody is falsely accused of it. In this area of the law, more so than in many others, there are many cases of false accusations. Um, there are many cases of innocent people who are being accused of sexual misconduct with a child and arrested and prosecuted and tragically convicted. It is very imperative in a case like this for the defense team, the defense attorney, the defense investigator, to investigate everything about the accuser who's making this allegation. We want to know, first of all, has this child made accusations against other people in the past? And have those accusations proven to be false? We want to know, does this child have a reputation for telling stories and making up lies? We want to know, does this child have behavioral problems? Uh, does this child have a motive, uh, a bias and a motive uh, to make up allegations and stories against this particular adult? We want to pull the child's school records. We want to pull the medical records. We want to pull the counseling records. What we find is a portrait of a child who does have a history of lying and who does have a particular motive uh, to uh, fabricate a story against our client. And when that happens, obviously that will cause the uh, prosecution and the police to rethink their case. The police are going to take the child at the child's word uh, and not scrutinize the allegation. Uh, so uh, for this investigation to take place, to uncover favorable evidence that's going to support the person accused, that's really a job of the defense attorney and the defense investigator. Uh, and if they don't do it, nobody will. And, and tragically, uh, the failure to investigate thoroughly these sorts of allegations has led to many people across the country being wrongfully convicted. As in like personal side, I got a sequence I, I learned how to do and go get 15 personal credit cards with only like five inquiries. Mm. <laughs> well, I need an explanation. Huh? But before I, I, I want the explanation on that. But I, I'm, while you're saying this, and like, how does one grow the limits on their credit cards? Right? Because like sometimes, like you can have a credit card, you pay it off, and like you actually have to go in and try to increase it. But sometimes there'll be a, uh, a situation where the company will say, oh, "We've increased it because of your good standing." Is there a strategy to grow it to double it and triple it? So when it comes to 
growing your credit card. Like I tell people is that you want to put everything on them. I'll take like if you're going to work credit cards, take a few of them, like because I teach how to get massive amounts. But if you only have a few, what you want to do is, is put everything. You should never use a debit card. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is the example I tell people. I say, listen, if if you walking down a dark alley with 10,000 in your pocket where they robbing people at who money you want in your pocket, yours or mine? Yours. yours. Exactly. <laughs> so every day you go out and you swipe in your debit card with, with, with your hard earned money, your hard earned money versus, and you put it at risk. We all know how fraud and how high it is now. Right. So every day when you go out and you using your debit card and you putting it online and you making purchases, you putting your money at risk. So when you put your money at risk, why would instead of put everything on your debit card, I mean, on your credit card, put everything that you spend on a credit card and pay it off, not go buy and buy whatever you want, the money that you would have spent out of your debit. Then you pay your credit card back off, pay your credit card bill a few days early, two, three days early, but pay your credit card back off. And not only are you leveraging and putting somebody else's money at risk, you also get incentivized for using it. So everything that you spend should automatically run off of an actual credit card. I run everything that I spend off a credit card. And so like that usage increases it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When you when you keep maxing it out, like if you can figure out, depending on what you're doing, like with me, we'll run it as like I, I, I specialize with really helping entrepreneurs. Like we all have to learn how to make money ourselves. How do we turn our credit to cash? How do we grow our businesses? So if we're going to use and grow a business, I'm going to use my car. So like I max my card out on ads. Hmm. Right. I know Facebook ads. Facebook ads, themes like that. I also built a relationship. Man, y'all got me talking. <laughs> Don't worry, no so, one's listening. <laughs> uh, I built a relationship. I built a relationship um, with a guy at a watch store, and he would resell watches. Right, so he had the the opportunity. He was like, "Yo, you know, it only take me about seven or fourteen days to resell a watch." People come in all the time, trade it in. You know you get hit when you go to trade the watch in. So they're not going to give you full value. Well, he says, listen, if we buy it the same night, I can get it for what they paid before my store puts it online and puts it in the system. We can buy it for the same price. So what we would do is literally, I I gave him, I let him hold one of my Platinums. He would buy the watch when it came in that night resell it because for the, the value of it, he already was the known for selling watches. He resell it for the value. I'm getting credit on my credit card for <laughs> how much the watch costs. We started with 12,000. We didn't did 60,000. We didn't did 14s, 24s and literally built it out, maxing the card out. Now my credit card on, on, on like that platinum I got is $200,000 limit. Whew. But it's just information and being able to seize the opportunity. And, you know, that was one of the things we had a good relationship and trust coming to play. That ain't something you can people can duplicate. So I don't really speak on that a lot because that's not something you can duplicate. But it's just things that happen 
Just knowing. So, yeah, just knowing. So how? Yeah. So, so now let's just go back a little bit. So how do we acquire the multiple cards without having so many inquiries? Because that's, I mean, I I do anything, and it's like you've got an alert. I'm like, oh <laughs> damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that um, man? So. <laughs> so no uh, look we here um, man it's really for the culture <laughs> hey listen man, I'm gonna tell y'all listen I don't be telling people right Yo, so but no um, <laughs> Yo, this, is the, this is one of the greatest of all Yo, so what we do is that we got to understand, right? I'm going to break it down to y'all. Is that we got to understand that banks have rules, right? I remember going to people. I'm not, I'm not going to hold you. I remember going and I was I was in credit and I was getting good. And I'm going to try and figure out how they do funding. Because I'm like, yo, I don't believe in no man fishing for me, right? You're not going to go and, and, and fish for me. I want to learn. Montrell Danelle Williams Jr., better known by a stage named Pooh Shiesty, is a rapper from Memphis, Tennessee. Even though he's only been making music since 2017, he's one of the hottest up-and-coming artists in hip-hop. He's racked up millions of streams on tracks like 762 God and Back in Blood featuring Lil Durk. He signed the Gucci Mane's 1017 label in April 2020 and is in a good position to be one of the next big stars out of the South. However, like many promising young rappers, just as Pooh career was getting off the ground, he was arrested in connection with the shooting that could potentially put his career and freedom in jeopardy. The shooting took place in Bay Harbor, Florida on October 13, 2020. No one was killed, but two victims sustained gunshot wounds. Pooh and his associates were arrested and charged with armed robbery, aggravated assault, battery, and criminal theft. The case is still ongoing, and the full story is yet to be revealed. But there is surveillance footage of the shooting that has been released to the public. Let's take a look back at Pooh Shiesty's criminal history and his career up to this point. Pooh Shiesty was born in Memphis, Tennessee on November 8, 1999. Compared to many rappers, he had a fairly stable childhood with both his parents in the picture. However, his father, Lontrell Williams Sr., was a rapper who went by the name Mob Boss and was the founder of a Memphis-based record label called Mob Ties Records. Both Pooh Shiesty and his father grew up in South Memphis and were involved in the streets from an early age. In 2004, Montrell Sr. was charged as an accomplice in the murder of a radio DJ who was found dead in her apartment. He wasn't the one who committed the murder, but he was somehow involved. In an interview with Fuchsia's TV, the rapper claimed his father was always in his life, except when he was locked up. What about your, your pops and shit? Was your pops around? Yeah, most them. Pop been around from the start unless he was locked. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's the only time he wanted around. On the track Monday to Sunday featuring Lil Baby and Big 30, who shiesty raps, Miss Gladys raised a savage that shit I shoot like my daddy, referencing his father's criminal past. The cover art for his track Day One also features a picture of the young rapper with his father dressed as old school Chicago gangsters, machine guns and all that. 
Although the guns are probably just props and the outfits just costumes, it shows the kind of father-son relationship they had. Fans and journalists have covered an old photo of Pooh Shiesty wearing an ankle monitor at only 11 years old. The rapper has been quiet about exactly what he was charged with at such a young age, but whatever it was, it was enough to get him expelled from school and sent to an alternative school. At age 16, the rapper left Memphis and relocated with his mother to Pflugerville, Texas, but he returned to Memphis two years later, which is when he started rapping. He and his childhood friend Big 30 started releasing music in 2017, but it wasn't until he dropped his breakout hit, Shiesty Summer, that things started to heat up for Pooh Shiesty. His song At It Again was remixed by Moneybag Yo in March 2020, and he caught the eye of Gucci Mane not long after. He signed a 1017 Records in April 2020, and the two collaborated on the track Still Remember in June 2020. The duo reunited on Who Was Him for the 1017 compilation album So Icy Summer, which was released on July 3rd, 2020. He continued this impressive streak of hits by releasing the track Back in Blood with Lil Durk in November 2020, which became his most streamed song to date with just under 30 million plays on Spotify. But just a few weeks before this track dropped, Pooh Shiesty found himself in some serious legal trouble. Video surveillance footage released by a Miami news station allegedly shows Pooh Shiesty involved in a shootout that occurred in broad daylight in a parking lot in Bay Harbor Islands, Florida. The footage shows a green McLaren, a Mercedes Maybach, and another Mercedes enter the parking lot and pull over. A group of men gets out of each of the cars, and at first, things appear to be calm, but all of a sudden, guns are drawn and shots start going off. It's not entirely clear what set off the mayhem, but one man with a pistol and another with a Draco start firing shots. The camera clearly shows a man in a white t-shirt get shot in the ass and start limping away. He hides behind the vehicle and he'll be seen inspecting the wound while the others hop back in the car and flee the scene. The footage is pretty clear because the camera is pointing right back at the crew and the shooting happened in the middle of the day in a well-lit area. But it's tough to make out the identities of the men involved. Allegedly, Pooh Shiesty's in the green McLaren, but it's not clear if he was one of the shooters or if it were other members of his crew. The incident has fans puzzled because at first, everything seems cool, but within seconds, it turns to gunfire. The footage shows a McLaren sports car, Mercedes Maybach and another Mercedes pull into this East Bay Harbor Drive condo parking lot. Men from the vehicles eventually get out and meet, and then this. The man in the white shirt has a pistol. The man in the black sweatshirt has a longer gun. And at about the same time, they begin firing before retreating back to the Maybach. The fancy getaway cars speed off, and one of two victims then hobbles to the car. Rumors are circulating that it's a drug deal or sneaker deal gone wrong. The victims drove themselves to urgent care in Miami after the shooting. One had to undergo surgery. However, they have both made a full recovery. One of the victims told police that they were there to sell Shiesty a pair of Air Jordan 4s. Hey, don't come over here. Don't come. No, I'm coming. I'm coming. I mean, you were there for me. You were on your knees for me. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm coming. I don't care what they say. I'm the president of the United States. <laughs> I 
I go where I want to go. Oh, man. Free my grandma. What's up? It's a hell of a handle there. Free my grandma. It's going to come out. It's going to come out and tell out. They, they're so afraid of Trump. They're not going to put anything like really heavy out until he die. After he die, man, it's going to open up. It's going to be all kind of stuff going on. Yeah, man. Oh, man. It's going to be, oh, man. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Carol Sessoms. What's up, Carol? Appreciate you. T. Hill in the building. Larry Banks. Imagine Rudy Giuliani, you know, after, you know, after seeing him with that little incident where he was blowing his nose and wiping his stuff and touching his mouth and all that. Imagine him. Imagine going over his house for dinner. Imagine how he do, how nasty he is. How he would probably be picking all in the pots and eating, you know, tasting the food, double dipping and all that stuff. And, oh, man. Ooh. Wouldn't go nowhere near that dude. Just look nasty. Is Bushy, yes, absolutely. R.I.P. David Dinkins, former mayor of New York City. Already. Anil forever shine. 
up, Neil? Christy Black. So, fam, at uh, 7 o'clock, I'm going to turn this thing all the way up on the second topic. I'm going to turn it all the way up on the Willie D Live channel. We're going to talk about this, this guy who was stopped by the police and this white dude stopped by the police threatened to shoot the police twice after they threatened to stick the dog on him. He's doing a lot of fidgeting. All, all, he's moving his hands, pulling his pull, jerked his hand away from the police, touched his gun, and then eventually he drove off. They gave chase. What up though, this your boy DOC. And as promised, if more information was to come out in the Mo3 investigation, I will keep you guys updated. But Northern Texas man indicted in highway killing of Dallas rapper Mo3. Now, if you don't know, Mo3 real name is Melvin A. Noble. He was gunned down in the middle of the day on Interstate E35 near the Dallas Zoo. Now, let's get straight to business. Now, the man that's accused... Kiwan Dontrell White, which is 22 years old, is the man accused of killing Dallas rapper known as Mo3. He was just indicted on this murder charge this week. Dallas County Grand Juries indicted Kiwan White in the November shooting death of rapper whose legal name is Melvin Noble. Now keep in mind, when I make these videos, I'm not giving my opinion on the situation. I'm giving you the details either from the attorney generals or from the news stations that's reporting the news that's getting it directly from the authorities in that particular city. Now the article continues to say Noble 28 was gunned down in the middle of the day on Interstate 35 in Oak Cliff near the Dallas Zoo. The killing sparked a manhunt and prompted police to sound an alarm on the city's spike in homicides. White was arrested nearly three weeks after the shooting. He is in federal custody on a federal charge of possessing a firearm in violation of his previous felony conviction. He is scheduled to stand trial in federal court in April and faces up to 10 years in prison if convicted. Now, if convicted of the murder, White could be sentenced to as much as life in prison with the possibility of parole. Now, the Dallas authorities have said Noble pulled
pulled over on the road and tried to flee his car. But the driver of another car also stopped and chased him with a rifle. The other driver shot Noble several times before driving north on the interstate. Images provided the Dallas police show the shooter wore a ski mask. Now, Dontrell White's lawyer in the state court, George Asper, said he hasn't been able to speak with his client since he's in federal custody. Now, Bree West is his lawyer for its federal charge, and based on this report, she was not able to be reached for any questions or answers. Now, as of right now, this is the latest update on Kiwan White has actually been indicted. Now, for those that don't know what an indictment is, an indictment is a formal accusation based upon available evidence that a person has committed a serious crime. If there's enough evidence to prove that the person has committed the crime, then they will be indicted. And to wrap this up, just for people that may not understand actually what an indictment is, the Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution requires the federal government to seek an indictment from a grand jury in order to prosecute someone for a felony or otherwise infamous or serious crime. Since an indictment comes after a grand jury, but typically before an arrest, it may be sealed. However, much time is needed to prevent the defendant or other suspects from fleeing, destroying evidence, or otherwise evading justice. Now, if any more information comes out on this particular case, be sure to keep you guys updated. Make sure you like and subscribe and drop a comment. And be sure to turn on the notification bell so you'll be one of the first to get the updates. Peace. And go move their stuff. Bring it back to you. They make them pay a deposit. They run it real nice. You can leave it at Home Depot. I leave mine at Home Depot in a parking lot. Yo, you know what? You know, some people they'll spend, you know, a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand dollars on a on an investment property that's not gonna give you three fifty a week. No, it's not. But you can buy a two, three thousand dollar car. Turn them cars into real estate, baby. Better than real estate. And I was telling I was like, I ain't gonna lie. Do you ever get an economy car and sit on it and nobody wants it? Haven't. I mean I I like like a lot of my mentees used to ask me, like, what's the best car to get? I'd be like, all of them gonna go. You just wanna do the, when it comes to economies, you wanna do the ones that never really break down. Like? Like Toyotas. Come on, when you seen a Toyota broke down on the side of the street? Come on, bro, them things last forever. Especially in Prius, and they good on gas. You fill it up with $20, that thing get you all week. You know what I mean? So, I just look for Toyota Priuses, Hyundai Sonatas. It's just super Hyundai convenient, Sonatas. man, because it's, I just put it on my insurance, Go ahead and drive it. Something happens. You don't, you don't care. Don't you can care, care less. You know what I mean? And then you can, I still put full coverage on all of mine just to take a little baby check that I'm going to get. But it don't matter to me because I already know. I know, like, if it, if in the rare occasion that it, before I make my money back, it crashes or something like that, which it doesn't. But if it were to, it's not a big deal. I only spent 2000 Like, for, I'm not saying just you have 2000 for I'm talking about I use my finance cars yeah. to get me up to where I was making enough money to go and buy cars cash. And then I done it, I done it over and over and over to where I got so many economy cars, they gonna keep going and going and going. Now, when they happen to do break down or something like that, I get them fixed and then I keep them going. And if I if they done for, I already made my money back times tw 10 already. Yeah. And it's not a big deal to me. So I just, you know, 
you sell it to a scrap car, get money off from the scrap people. Sell it to them, then go get another one. Like, it's not even a big deal because there's so many of those cars. Y'all got to understand that they make a, a, a new model of every car every single year. Y'all know how many cars out here? Y'all know how many people go get something on uh, Labor Day, on a Labor Day sales, and they can't handle it no more? They want to give it away? Mm-hmm. Let me give y'all a couple games. Let me give y'all a couple games before we get out for this thing. So, you're talking joint ventures. You got people that can't handle their car notes no more. You know a way to make money with it. You take over that payment you get the money with it. Or you can offer your people who don't know how to make money for themselves, give them money every month to use their credit, get a finance car, so you're helping them in two ways. You're getting yourself money and you're helping your people who don't know how to make money and giving them solid money. That's a joint venture. Learn how to solve problems. If you start learn how to solve problems in this game, you will never be broke because it's so many people that need cars for stuff, different reasons. You know what I mean? You'll, you'll be getting slingshots. You'll be like, damn, why would I need a slingshot? Because you can drive it for yourself and then you can make money on it hourly. Mm. What, don't run out a, a slingshot for the day. Run it out by the hour. hundred an hour going to make you a killing. Get three of them. They're going to get them three at the same time, I promise you. It's so many plays. It's like, get you trucks, use fetch truck. You know how many people need trucks for moving? If you're that guy who just give it to them, look, I don't care if you beat it up a little bit. Now you're damn about this truck. Move your stuff. These dudes gonna rent them every damn day. <laughs> Y'all know how good these trucks. I'll be like, yo, I'll be so surprised. I'll be like, I was like, yeah, just you can you can ding it up a little bit. I'm not gonna make you pay if you ding up the back or. Uh, they be like, bro, I'm taking us to work every day. Y'all know how much money I make off these trucks, man. Come on, man, don't stop. Don't get me started. So solve problems, baby. And then you'll you'll go a long way. Help your people. Do the joint venture method. Mm-hmm. Broker deals with other people who who are in the rental car space. Maybe they might not be as good as you in marketing. Maybe they might not have the platform that the Dave Sham has. He could say, look, I got my rental cars going out for a hundred a day. Who need that? You feel what I'm saying? Or maybe they can't, they don't have that influence. So if you do have it, you can help them out, give them a minimum daily payment that they'll make, a minimum that they'll make every day when a car goes out, and then charge your fee on top. You know you got that clout, go ahead and use it. Solve mm-hmm. these problems. If, if they, you know you're the go-to guy, be that go-to guy. Mm-hmm. Be able to just do good business though, have integrity, and be consistent. If you be consistent in any business, they'll never forget you. So every time they come in town, they're gonna send all their cousins to you, they're gonna send their sales to you, and they're gonna make sure that they rent with you because you were consistent and you do good business. If you do that, I, that's why I never worry about having customers because they come into, they dying for me. They hit my Google page, they hit my 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 Instagram, mm. they hit my business Instagram, they hit in, uh, my Toro, <laughs> my hire car. So I got them coming from all streams, you know what I'm saying? So that's the thing. And clearly word of mouth is passing around as well because I do good business. And I think of myself as a friendly guy and I, somewhere where somebody will want to come and feel comfortable getting the car. They know I'm not going to trick them and charge them extra fees. I'm only going to charge you for what you do. I'm not going to charge you for what I want. I'm not going to say, oh, I've been had to scratch. Let me get them. No, no. Right. We're going to be detailed on every time and I'm going to make sure everybody's happy. That's what I want. That's all I care. Everybody needs to be happy. I love it. Bitch, I appreciate you, my brother. Yep. Um, this was just a, a wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. I'm really probably gonna go get an I eight tomorrow. It's gonna be so dope. We're gonna pull up back to back. Once you do that, I was like, look, how much is the rap? Cause you gotta rap it. Oh right? yeah, yeah. So get a good rap guy. And look, let me tell you another trick on the raps. Go to these if you got or if you are like a person.